And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast. It's uh, Thursday, May the 18th. Uh, we've got a weekend coming up and it's only a two-day weekend. That's going to seem so short, isn't it, Phil? It is, Andrew. And the weather is improving as well. And we're in for a bit of a sparkling week next week. Sounds like it's time I headed back down to Cornwall. <laughs> I, thought, I think it may be, indeed. <laughs> uh anyway look we've somehow i mean you know we've somehow got to um keep the whole the wheels on the bus turning as they say um because these are tough markets there's not a lot of money around there although there are little pockets of, of blue sky where people are uh, are starting to raise things i'm sure we'll we'll talk about gresham house energy storage later on obviously they had news today of raising quite a lot of money uh and actually of course there was a huge deal earlier in the week um done by consortium of about 30 banks placing over two and a half billion pounds worth of London Stock Exchange stock. Um, so there is a little bit of life out there. Um, it's still a lot about M&A and takeovers. We, we, we announced one this week, not in the tech and transition energy space, but the takeover uh, EMP, Egdon Resources. Uh, so sadly, the number of listed stocks is still shrinking. Um, but who knows? Who knows where the future is? So much of it, I still think, depends probably upon where the Ukraine war ends up. Uh, we really could do with a, a resolution to that in some form. My own view is if that's going to happen, it's probably going to be China somehow actually successfully brokering a peace deal and they will have to give something to keep Putin happy and in power. Um, my own theory is actually what we're going to probably see is um, China trying to put together a... a um, a NATO equivalent in the East, so a sort of East Pacific Treaty Organization, an EPTO, um, which would have Russia and China, maybe India, the Stans, uh, and then Putin could turn around and go, look, by invading Ukraine, I've created a, a complete competitor to NATO, and look how much stronger and more powerful we are. I think that could be the solution. Whether we need to have a sort of demilitarized zone in the East of Ukraine, that's also another solution. Um, but I think a solution's got to come on pretty soon because the West is otherwise going to also get fed up, I think, with um, supplying arms to Ukraine. And Ukraine also needs to probably do a summer offensive and really give the Russians a bloody nose. So I, I, my feeling is before the end of this year, actually, now I think something will be resolved in some form or other. I think the world is getting fed up with it. And that would be very good news for the market. Um, maybe then we can all get more money flying around and do some deals, which is what we like doing. Anyway, that's enough of my preamble. It's really got nothing to do with tech and technology particularly, although Rishi Sunak obviously is out in Japan um, um, for a G7 meeting and has announced a, a billion pound sort of joint venture with Japan over semiconductor chips, a billion pounds in semis doesn't go very far. You need an awful lot more than that. And of course, the big topic at the moment is, uh, you know, this whole issue of is the UK building enough lithium batteries in order to supply the EV companies or if the EV companies got to move over to Europe because of these tariffs. Look, we know we don't have a strategy at all for business, for the financial community, for critical metals, the batteries. We just don't have a strategy. Hopefully, though, Rishi, with his to-do list, which he's slowly ticking off, will get around to that at some stage. Who knows? Anyway, look, I know there's also a huge number of results uh, out. So, Phil, I'm not going to catch you out at all today because I haven't uh, really had a chance to look at most of these things. So I'm going to let you, I'm not going to tell you off at all. I'm going to give you free reign and not suggest that you've missed anything. I'm going to be really nice and friendly. 
<laughs> That's very kind of you to do that, Andrew. And you're right, there has been, yeah, there has been a lot of news. Um, I mean, one that I was looking at pretty closely this morning, wobbly enough, was, was National Grid. Um, very relevant to the energy transition and to what's happening in the uh, in the in the UK. Um, and obviously, the, you know, they're responsible for the grid expansion, of the grid and managing it for the transition. And they reported um, their profits were up by 12 percent to 4.9 billion. Um, and they had a sale of certain businesses that helped that as well. But but importantly, in the bit I was looking at was that the um, capital investment budgets and they've got investment going in of 7.7 billion uh, for ongoing operations. And that's, uh, you know, it's of a billion on it on exchange rates. Um, and they said that the focus of this investment is primarily the energy transmission and delivering energy um, security. So, you know, good good to see that scale of investment, but let's see how that is that is actually spent. I mean, they said that in in April they've got a new business unit, strategic infrastructure, to deliver 17 major electricity transmission projects to help with 50 gigawatts of offshore wind. Uh, generation. So let's, as I say, that'd be interesting to see. Now, I mean, when related to the grid and aptly named with a ticket grid, GRID, is, is Gresham House Energy Storage, which you mentioned earlier, Andrew, the Energy Storage Fund. Uh, and this fund, grid, they own uh, 590 megawatts of operational projects, generating profits of uh, 48.8 billion in 2022, and have got uh, 437 megawatts of projects underway. Uh, so they're a big investor in energy storage, and they've announced that they're doing a placing to raise eighty million pounds. So we'll see how that uh, how that uh, rolls out. Uh, well, how, how successful that is. The issue price of this is fixed at one five five point five p, um, and I think that they said that their nav in end of March was one hundred and fifty three point eight p. So yeah, so close, you know. Yeah, so they're raising the money. They say actually the, the real reason with this money is they want to develop 160 megawatts of solar and yes. co-located four-hour uh, battery energy stationary storage projects in California. Project Liad, I think it was called. Um, That's it. Yep. So, I mean, what I find interesting here, of course, and I have had a few people asking me is, you know, we all know that in California they, they are really desperate for energy storage. And they're also desperate for non-lithium-ion energy storage because they recognise that lithium-ion has a lot of problems, particularly in California, because it basically bursts into flames. Um, so, which is a, a problem, actually. Um, so what I want to know is, why is it that Gresham House Energy Storage just keep putting in more and more lithium-ion batteries and don't look at other technologies? Is it just, I mean, somebody, when I was talking to somebody very senior about this, he said, I just don't get it. And I said, well, look, you know, it's sort of, you know, it's the buy IBM concept you know you don't get fired for buying ibm it may not be the best but you don't get fired for it and i think that's sort of the attitude that gresham house have is that yeah sure might not be putting in the best solution but hey we're making lots of money why bother to change is that fair very rational oh yeah anyway there we go that's my view uh moving on let's move on okay right. listen on some positive news uh uk space investment uh, UK space in uh, investment nearly doubles in the past eight years. This is a report just come out from PwC and the UK Space Agency. 
Um, and it says that the uh, the space industry represents hidden utility in the UK, supporting an estimated 370 billion of UK GDP last uh, year, 80% of economic output. There we go. So from 1,600 space companies, well, I mean, you've got broader, you know, aerospace technology base in there. But we talked, I mean, we're discussing aerospace, um, you know, last week on the podcast, and, and it has such a bearing on technology spend generally, a very important area, you know, from military, civil, uh, you know, and commercial. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit nice bit of news to see there. And, of course, we have the Seraphim Space Investment Trust, SSIT, that's listed in the UK, where investors can get general exposure to space technologies, um, and they have uh, results coming out very shortly, so we'll look out for those. Yeah, I just hope no one's singing that well-known Beatles song, Loses in the Sky with Diamonds. Go on, Andrew. You got no, no, that was, no, that was it. That was all I was going to say. I wasn't going to add anything to it, but, you know, <laughs> no, it's a sort of a joke, bit tongue-in-cheek. Sorry, move swiftly on. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> I know, you're allowed jokes in this one. Right, listen, another, another placing. Uh, this is for uh, IQE, the long-quoted uh, compound semiconductor manufacturer based down in uh, down in Wales, um, and they have also they've announced a placing this morning, uh, an issue price of 20p, which was a 14.9. That was a dis- yeah 15% discount, um, and they've raised 30 million pounds of gross. Proceed. So, as you say, Andrew, there is a bit of life out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, IQE's had quite a mm-hmm. quite a history, shall we say? Um, yes. It was, uh, for want of a better word, a, a punter's favourite. Uh, it no longer is. Um, but who knows? Maybe it'll recover. Absolutely right. Now, um, UK business, UK business. Well, actually, UK business, business spend generally something we are watching very, very closely. Um, there were results out from Sage, um, stick with SG, market cap 8.7 billion. And uh, as uh, well, I don't know if we use Sage accounts, but no, a lot of businesses use Sage's accountancy software, um, but also, you know, it's payroll. In fact, we do use Sage payroll uh, and HR uh, software. And they reported their uh, underlying recurring revenue was up uh, 12% to a billion pounds. Um, and this was supported by Sage Business Cloud growth of 29% to 787 million. Um, I mean, I just kind of, you know, what struck me there and when watching general software spend is there's, <laughs> there's a, you, can, you can see a lot of sense behind this. I mean, given, you know, inflationary costs in business, managing cash flows right now, um, and being very close to your accounts, um, and why, you know, why their customers are certainly still spending with them. Um, and, and you know, all importantly, you can see the value here in this business is that they uh, they margin, the EBITDA margin increased to 25%. Wow, that's a nice, nice profitable business and the earnings per share are up by 13%. So good, good set results from uh, Sage there. They've got 1.2 billion of cash on the balance sheet. Well, that gives them plenty of flexibility if they want to want to acquire and reported strong momentum in their first half. Um, yeah, and the, the statement was sort of alluding that there could be, I think, potentially upgrades to come, to be honest here. It was quite a positive uh, statement. Uh, the answer is also we we do use Sage at BSA Capital. Uh, and of course, this is a stock. I mean, if you look at the chart, it's it's been fantastic. If you go back over the years, 
uh, and it's actually hitting sort of new highs at the moment. So it's loved by the market as well. Um, obviously, it's a big FTSE 100 company. Yeah, there we go. But uh, opportunity to invest. Um, subject of AI um, is constantly appearing in for uh, for very good reason. But I saw there was an announcement between um, SAP and uh, Microsoft on joint generative AI projects in the field of personal recruiting. Um, my God, I'd be interested to see the impact of, of, of that uh, as, it, as it actually happens. I mean, SAP, you know, Microsoft is used across businesses globally, as is SAP, you know, their enterprise resource planning. But this is, you know, if anyone thinks that AI investment, um, you know, is not a serious long-term thing, for the tech industry, then then this shows it it certainly is not. Uh, so that was quite quite tie up there. Yeah, just quickly on uh, on AI actually on one of our corporate clients. It is tiny, Superseed Capital. Uh, they they do very early stage uh, venture capital funding of sort of SaaS businesses, but a lot of it is involved in AI. Um, and they have this wonderful sort of leverage through the British Bank uh, loan scheme. Uh, the sad bit is it's a very small company, so people really struggle to get invested in it. But if you want early stage AI, which to me is like, whoa, you can have stellar gains there. Superseed capital is well worth looking at. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's very practical sort of AI applications as well in terms of, um, you know, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, for instance, in aerospace, increasing efficiency in production, which is one of their you know, business efficiency is one of their focus, but yeah, great way of getting getting exposure to companies that are early stage uh, in that. And talking about, uh, you know, exposure to investment in tech, and this is certainly for larger companies and larger, this is for software, is HG Capital Trust, um, and the ticker's HGT. They announced their first quarter results uh, for the period ending March. Um, and say so this one's very focused on SaaS software as well. Um, and they reported uh, revenue and EBITDA growth of 30% and 27% respectively across their top 20 investments over the last 12 months. So very strong momentum there. And Superseed, who also came out with a, uh, their annual statement on their portfolio of companies, reported nearly 200%, now very mind early stage companies, but nearly 200% growth uh, for their SaaS software companies. So. It's an interesting time for the SaaS software space. I mean, Superseed noted that valuations, global valuations, um, they refer to what's called the EM cloud. It's the best emerging cloud index. 75 public listed companies and states declined 62% in terms of valuations. But you can see, you know, from their two results, HG and, and Superseed, that there's still, you know, very much strong growth in that. And even Sage is SaaS. It's SaaS software growth, so maybe a good opportunity to look more closely at the space given valuations have come off. Yeah, look, and I think in general this week, you know, the trading statements from uh, tech and transitional energy companies have been pretty positive. The week started well with both Diploma and Curry's upgrading their 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 guidance. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you yeah. wanted to comment on either of those, but they did. Yeah, they did. Um, I <laughs> I look brief. I just looked briefly at them. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I did as well. Yeah, no, it was just were both upgrades. You know, it's so yes. nice to see, you know, yeah. coming through. So, yeah, no, it's fine. Back onto your list. Yeah, yeah, super. Cerulean, who we mentioned uh, uh, many times in this podcast, 
Uh, they had uh, six months results ending March, uh, and Cerulean is very focused on the telecommunications industry, um, but in particular, um, you know, it's, it's software for, for billing systems and managing services and telecoms operators, are, you know, constantly trying to evolve their services uh, to make better profits than they, they, they are doing. Anyway, Cerulean... Um, so it's interim revenue up by 27% to 20.5 million. Um, it also benefits from new customers, new orders. Uh, the recurring revenues were up by 34% to 13.1 million. And their gross margin increased to 81.5% from 78.5%. So, you know, um, it's all software licensing, so very high margin. Um, but I was, you know, what was quite interesting to see here was on their total new orders coming in, uh, and they were by 40%, 15.3 million, and they got net cash uh, up 40, over 40%, 20.6 million. So everything moving, continuing to move the right way um, for Cerulean. Very, very good. Yeah, you're going to comment on we had the, both the the big sort of telecom plays reported this week, didn't they? BT and Vodafone seem to be more about job cuts than anything else. Uh, but they, and the figures, by the way, are so complicated to read. Um, extraordinary. But I don't know if you want to make any comment on them, Phil, or was happy to let them pass. I, I think <laughs> we're happy to let them pass. I mean, I, I, um, I mean, BT was interesting to see how they rolled out that fibre network. Uh, and their near-term plans to pass up to the 25 million premises. But we did, we've been looking at EV charging, Andrew, haven't we? We had a, a conversation with Podpoints in the week and about that, uh, mm -hmm. and about a longer-term potential for for uh, for charging networks. But uh, it, it, it kind of shows, you know, I remember when the fibre network started rolling out and all this dark fibre was in the ground and, you know, sort of loose end outside every house for a connection. And, you know, maybe we will see the same happen with EV charging networks. Yeah, I mean, you come up, I mean, what I find extraordinary about both BT and Vodafone, they are just, they're hitting their all time lows sort of thing. Just how much lower can they go? Um you know, forget what's going on. I know it's all, but I mean, it's still telecommunications. It's not a, it's not a dead industry, is it? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not the expert on them. I'll be absolutely honest with you. Mm. But um, I, I do find it interesting that they are both sort of hitting all-time lows. There you go. But yes, moving on to your point, I think that the we do remember the, um, as you were saying, the the way that the fibre industry was lots of little players that then consolidated into a handful of very big players. And of course, you have to throw a lot of cash at it. But then once you've got it up and running, it's just a cash cow. And yeah, I think the um, electricity charging game could be very, very similar. Um, because at the end of the day, we're probably going to have to have charging points somehow in the pavement or on the roadside for all of those houses in London so you park your car outside your house, so to speak, and you can charge it. Um, and there is a complete network to be put in place. As you say, Podpoint is the is the quoted one in the UK. Unfortunately, it had a very successful flotation. It, it's tricky because it's got a huge holding by EDF uh, and also legal and general uh, infrastructure, uh, which makes there's not a lot of free float. So the share price has been very disappointing. But you know, uh, there's a, there's, it, it's a very interesting company, and they've got a lot of cash, 70 million. Um, 
the, the other one, which I think, you know, you and I were talking about, so I'll let you talk about it, Phil, but which I think is a really, really good business. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a Dutch business, is Alphen, and they're doing a similar thing, aren't they? Yes, they are. It's, yeah, but theirs is an interesting, it's a mix of, it's charging infrastructure uh, and equipment, but also they're exposed to the smart, the smart grid. Um, so they have their own transformers um, and, and monitoring software for those transformers. So, you know, as as you know, generation is probably getting more localized, or, or user demand is, is changing fairly significantly. You know, on more localized bases, and you're needing more transformers and distribution. Uh, but also, you've got this variable supply, and you want to know what's happening between transformers on their loadings. They they have technology uh, and software for for doing that. Um, so they saw, you know, they just reported results, and the EV charging was was down uh that that side of business but they report you know they said look we have a high in that in 2022 but it was the sales from the smart grid and related technologies that were up um and it was in very interesting for us to hear i think from pop point and what they're doing with their software uh, whereby it's managing loadings on charging infrastructure you know and a wider potential opportunity for that because it is all going to come down to you know how the grid how generation is varying and how demand is varying throughout and on a daily basis and we've talked about this in you know many an occasion in relation to energy storage so yeah the whole smart space uh grid space of uh, managing demands is, is, is very interesting yeah look, i mean i, I think alphan is a is a really good company it's a real shame that it's um it's it's on the uh, euronext amsterdam not on the uk market uh, it's a big company as well, by the way. It's it's uh, over a, it's a sort of one and a half billion euro market cap, um, but it's also halved in the last eighteen months, um, just as obviously everyone's been pulling out of transitional energy stocks. So, uh, but it is a great company, well worth having a look at. Um, I tell you what, Phil. Um, whilst we're sort of on the transitional energy side, EVs, charging points, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, one of our corporates actually um, that has been a it's actually been a fantastic performer over the last. Um, five months. Equipmate had a bit of news out that I thought was really interesting on Monday. You might want to comment on that. Yeah, this is, uh, they are uh, Norfolk based, um, developed uh, electric motor and inverter technology. Um, and their end markets obviously are, you know, they've got um, for automotive, but it's for, for high end automotive supercars uh, involved in aerospace. As, as well and uh, and marine uh, but but also you know heavy heavy transport is a big focus for them and um, so it's uh, their motor ranges you know power ranges from 100 kilowatts up to 440 kilowatts uh, and they announced um that uh india-based sona copstar has signed a licensing agreement with them uh, for their technologies um, and that they are going to plan to manufacture and sell Equipmates technologies uh, across Southeast Asia. So it's in India, Thailand and, uh, you know, what they call selected South Asia countries. Um, and uh, that seal production of systems based on Equipmates tech are going to commence in 2025. Uh, so pre pretty exciting for them, I think, uh, you know, validating the value of the technology, but also opening up new markets for Equipmate. Yeah, I think it's look, it's 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 had a tremendous performance. Uh, it's almost doubled in the last five months. So uh, not surprising. I think a few people are taking a few profits. But again, actually, interesting enough, 800,000 shares um, traded so far today. I've read that right. Probably, probably got the noughts wrong. 
Um, no, I'm right. Actually, 800,000 shares traded so far today. Anybody who says there's no liquidity on Acris, I think that proves that we're wrong. Uh, just talking which quickly goes Acris. Uh, if anybody listening is going to their 10-year anniversary party tonight, we'll see you there. I'm not sure you got the invite, Phil. No, I didn't, Andrew. I got invited to London Stock Exchange drinks. Well, <laughs> you, better, you better have a word with that quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right. Uh, have you got anything else or is that enough for today? I think we'll wrap it up there for today, <laughs> hey, Andrew. I told you I'd give you a nice easy time. Uh, all right, uh, that's uh, that's uh, we'll call it a day there. Again, as I always say, if anybody's got any comments they want to make to us or stocks they'd like us to actually talk about, um, then do let us know. We love a little bit of interaction. Funny enough, I have had quite a few people recently actually just complimenting us on, on this podcast and they really enjoy listening to it. So I appreciate those compliments as well. Uh, please do keep spreading the word um, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you. Certainly will. <laughs>